I'm Dave Gray, and this week I learned that if you let Michael Gross simmer enough, he goes from being a cardboard secondary to a fine stew of a leading man. I'm Kevin Matthews, and this week I got worms. That's it. I just, Yay. I got worms. <laughs> and it's just you and I this week, Dave, so this is... Raiders of the podcast. Yay. Okay. Yay. Um, Tyler might be joining us not live, but he will be edited in, in theory, and, and maybe Tyler Hosley. Shrug. So I really wanted to be there this week, guys, but I live in Florida and we have a hurricane hitting. And every time we have a hurricane hit, we lose power because hurricanes suck fucking balls. Okay. Yes. And, you know, just as long as T stays safe. I think you know quite a few people in Florida, so hope everyone just stays hunkered down. I say it's weird because like I grew up in Scotland and we have bad weather, but we don't really have bad weather. So we see the stuff that that you guys get over there, like the hurricane hitting Florida and the massive hurricanes you've had, makes me feel bad for those times I've moaned about a bit of wind and rain in Scotland. You have bad weather, but not weather that tries to kill you. Yeah, I yeah, I, I get that. It's just weather bad enough that we've acclimatized to always being slightly uncomfortable and miserable. So it's, it's a different level. Anyway, speaking of being slightly uncomfortable and miserable, what a segue! I got some time in the cinema this week, Dave, and it was a very mixed bag. I would like you to watch Bullet Train just to hear your pain. Because you know, I, I will I will record every second of myself watching that just so you can appreciate how much it hurts me. It's not good. I I thought I was gonna just have an easygoing fun time with Bullet Train. Uh you know, I I don't mind Brad Pitt. It's directed by David Leach. The trailer was kind of funky and I wasn't sure how it was going to land. It is, um, you, you know, at time from the mid-90s to sort of late-90s, early 2000s, where everyone was trying to do a Pulp Fiction or a Tarantino. The Dark Time, that's Tyler's favorite, yes. <laughs> yeah, I remember the Dark, the dark Time. It's it's that with a comedy action vibe. Like, it's, it's that, it's trying to do that. Not even that, maybe, I would say probably more Guy Ritchie is what it's aiming for. And really doesn't come off well. I've seen comments from some people that have liked it, and there are some moments of amusement. I quite liked the very end when things sort of crash together in a way that's more obviously amusing than in a way that's try to be extra stylish and oh clever clever and nudge nudge wink here uh, you know it's 
it's not good. It doesn't help that there's a main role for Aaron Taylor Johnson not being very good, which is what you can say about, I guess, most of his roles other than Kickass. Well, even I mean, let's be honest. Even Kickass, he's carried by everyone else. Uh, yeah, you know, I I don't. <sighs> I don't have anything major against Aaron Taylor Johnson. I just don't really, you know, ever want to rush to see a film that he's in. He's not ever the best. And he's in this for quite a lot. No, it's it's not good and you will be pained by it. Um so I I can't recommend that. I also can't really recommend Beast which is the film that has uh, the promise of Idris Elba punching a lion in the face, basically, which you got to think is a winner. It's ultimately also disappointing. I mean, I sat through Beast thinking, yeah, it's been a long time since I watched The Ghost in the Darkness, and maybe that's a better film than I remember. I should really rewatch. The Ghost in the Darkness sometime soon. I mean, that's basically my summation of Beast. As, as long as uh, Idris punches the lion bare knuckle <laughs> once, like right, not in the face, I want him to just punch it in the testicles. Right. Then, I mean, then that makes the movie all worthwhile. Would you need the lion to do the cross-eyed expression? Yes, yes, I, I have right, to have okay. that. I need that lingering. I can't guarantee that that's in it, but it it does have uh, Elba online action at some point. And Charlotte Copley is good in his supporting role. The cast are good, and the quality of the CGI I thought was pretty solid throughout, uh, with the actual line itself. But it just gets to a point round about a third of the way into it, we're sitting there realising how implausible it already is. And I mean, not just in terms of the main premise, in terms of, oh, someone's had a close encounter with a lion, that lion has pawed at their legs, and yet they still have legs. And it just seems to get a little bit more implausible with every main scene after that. It's a line that cannot hear because, you know, if someone makes a noise, they then stand really quietly and wait until the line goes away, as I'm sure lions would do when they're in the wild looking for prey. It's a line that doesn't have any other line of vision other than directly in front of it because it can't look down or to the side to see someone hiding and trying to keep themselves quiet and still. That's what you're working with here. It's almost like they've mistaken a lion for one of those robot hoovers that would just do the same territory until somebody bumps it. Actually, you know what? I, I would I would watch a movie about evil... Um, what the... F- I, I, what are they? iRobot? iRobots, yeah. I or the, there's the lawnmower ones also. I'd watch that a renegade mower bot just like, mowing Roomba. down. Yeah, Roomba. Thank you, <laughs> renegade lawnmower Roomba just running down paper boys. 
Yeah. I would I would watch that. Um going from lions to canines, I watched dog and dog is what you think it is from a trailer. So Channing Tatum plays an ex Ranger who's tasked with taking an ex military dog cross country to the funeral of the deceased colleague that was the dog's handler. So the dog has major uh, issues and PTSD. But you know what, Dave? It's like the dog and Channing are really kind of the same. Are they? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it's doing. It's um, it's making the idea of uh, PTSD and the need for better support and mental health understanding for veterans more palatable with using a dog at the centre of the film. It works really well, actually, when it's Tatum and the dog. It's just a shame that the sort of first half has a few diversions that aren't really needed. Um, Maybe it's as if they were thinking of going off in some different directions with the film. Or we'll we'll make it this kind of adventure. We'll we'll do this, that, and the other. When really, it's obvious and predictable and emotionally manipulative. But when it is Tatum and the dog going on their journey, that you know the ultimate destination of, it actually works perfectly well for the kind of film that you know it's going to be. I'm I'm never going to watch that movie. Do you, do you want to know why? Why? Because when I went to see everything everywhere all at once, the theater uh-huh. had bumped that for a screening of Dog. Oh, I and mean, they I had, wouldn't. I mean, they they, ah. they still showed it. I still got to see it, but they moved it an hour b- later, and they hadn't wow. told me. I bought I'd bought my tickets in advance the day they went on sale a week earlier, and they didn't tell me they bumped it. So I went oh, in. I went in to see I, that, and I, I saw, like, 10 minutes of dog before I was like, what the fuck is going on? I I was in I was in a charitable mood. I gave it a generous Kevin Seven for that one. But it's, you know, because by the time it got to the end, I see that second half, Tatum and the dog, and the dog's great. The dog was portrayed by a few dogs, as they usually are. Um, but superb dog. So it's always easy to... Root for a dog on the screen. I say I like that. Uh, what I didn't like, getting down to the last two films here, I watched Ava. Have you seen Ava? Oh, um, yeah, I have. Yeah, so now one of those, uh, here's a, a talented assassin who might be doing her last job, whether that's their choice or not. Stars Jessica Chastain, who I I remain to be just won over to the idea that she ever just wants to have some fun. Because even Ava, it could be just a standard assassin action romp. And it just gets dragged down. It gets dragged down by just predictability and overused tropes and just it's a mess it's a mess Chastain isn't bad at uh, looking as if she can handle herself 
in a couple of the fight scenes. But that's it. You only get a couple of the fight scenes. You get a decent little almost cameo from John Malkovich. Colin Farrell is a little bit of fun for a few minutes. But they've given the main character this sort of family tension and this background that I'm assuming they think is, you know, interesting and edgy. And it isn't. It's really just a weaker version of La Femme Nikita, basically. Yeah, it wasn't good. And I, f- I, I don't know why I got my hopes up when it was starting. I just thought, oh, Chastain is going to have a little bit of fun here. But no. There's just some something about her. I think I've said this before. She always seems to just be really, really, really wanting an Oscar. Has she got an Oscar yet? Um, I don't remember. Did she win for Zero Dark Thirty? I think she was nominated. Yeah, I don't but think she I don't did, think don't she won. Win. And Maybe I she's been chasing that since, but her career has been going in the other direction. Yeah. Which is a shame because she's always good. I mean, I'm not judging her for it. You gotta you know, you gotta pay your bills, so Somebody just give her a million dollar baby. She can do it. Actually, I'd like to see Hillary Swank in more again. Why the fuck hasn't she been on Cobra Kai yet? Yeah, because like, the last thing she was in was some weird... Um... Netflix <sighs> show. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just quickly looked up. So Chastain got her Oscar for that um, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh, did she Our get the one? For... I didn't see that. I, the documentary was so good that I went... Why would I watch a fictionalized version of it? And maybe now she's got an Oscar. She, like, I, I don't not seem as if she's always desperately chasing the Oscar. I just couldn't ever not feel that emanating from most of her performances. With the the best one, the one that felt a bit more sort of confident and relaxed was actually that Molly's game. Oh Which yeah, I liked. yeah, that was that wasn't bad. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I will end with the divisive film I enjoyed called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I know Tyler enjoyed that as well. I think he maybe enjoyed it a bit more than I did, but I liked it throughout. And it has an ending that takes it up like a point or two. It's really good. It's a fun film but it becomes more fun once you settle into the the fact that, you know, none of the characters are really that likable and the biggest threat to them, although I suspect there's a murder in the midst because of a body, you know, being there, someone's murdered, the biggest threat to them is actually themselves whether that is because of their uh, narcissism and uh, selfishness or because of lashing out at others around them and taking the situation from bad to worse. It was it was really good. It became more fun and smarter as it played out. I think actually rewatching it would be would be good because it's you're already acclimatized from that first viewing. You can go back to start looking at the little microaggressions and the tensions from the start. 
I was pleasantly surprised by bodies, 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 but I'm glad that I made the trip to go see it. I, d- I don't know how you'd land on that one, though. I, yeah, I want to see it. I just haven't been able to yet. The drive-in yeah. was doing it as a double feature with Pearl that I desperately wanted to see, but, you know, it's it's hard to go see a double feature like that when the smile child lives in your house. Yeah. I can't I just... Mean, I, know that, I know the characters would annoy you so much, but I know you'd also know that, well, that's the point. They are... They are really annoying characters to one another and in their little cliquey group. Yeah. Um, you're going to be really upset about the child later this evening, but I I didn't watch much. Uh, I did only watch child-centric kid uh, movies. We watched Penelope, <clears throat> the uh, uh, Christina Ricci movie, and that's adorable. Cass is great. It's a cute as shit movie. I don't know why it sat on the shelf for, what was it, like two years before it was released? Oh, I still not watch Penelope. I'm oh, sure it's I have adorable. You'd love it. Somewhere. You'd, I mean, just your your feeling of kinship with McAvoy alone would be, you know. <laughs> you, you'd love it. It's adorable. And I watched... Uh, <laughs> I watched The Munsters. And I, Tyler and I might be the only people who didn't hate the monsters. Uh, I'm, if he's able to get a message out for, uh, this episode, I'm sure he will wax philosophical about it. Um, I don't think I'd actually recommend it to anybody. It, it's not, I, I thought it was, overall charming but the first 20 minutes are pretty fucking rough uh, Richard Brake and um, Jorge Garcia I think the the guy from Lost are um, they're atrocious I mean they're just they're just not funny and they are they're painful and they're in it so much for the first 10-15 minutes and they drag it all down and then the things they changed in Herman's origin are really fucking stupid and it's not funny. Seeing him and his brother Charlie adopted by the monsters of, uh, what is it? Shroudshire? Wales would have been far funnier than what they did. Uh, but overall, the cast is, works well together. Uh, Phillips Roebuck and, yeah, even Sherry Moon work really well together. Sherry Moon is fine. You might not like the voice she's doing during it, and I understand that. But she's not objectionable in any way. The script is weak. The script is is terrible, and that's really it's it's failure. There's moments between their in their courtship that I thought were adorable. Uh, when they go to the house, I thought that was adorable. But that's the cast carrying a really bad screenplay. Zombie really needed somebody else to come in and tighten it up. Uh, dust off some jokes. I mean, they really, they literally reuse some jokes directly from the first, I don't know, 10 or 12 episodes lifted straight out, but intent goes a long way and you can't really replicate Fred Gwynn, who is amazing. And he and Al Lewis are probably one of the best comedy duos to ever be put on TV. So, I mean, that spark's always going to be missing, and it's missing in every version of the Munsters, which there have been 
several. I mean, you know, it's not like it's not like the show was in an unassailable bubble and hadn't been touched since 1969. It's been done uh, uh, quite a few times to varying degrees of success. I I didn't hate it. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but I I think there could be a good time there for some people. Uh, a lot of people hate it and I I think the hate's a little a little aggressive. Uh, it's a little excessive. It it seems more like they're hating on zombie than on the film itself, which okay, you don't like his stuff, I get it. But going that hard for this movie is a little confusing to me. But that's that's just me. To each their own, you know? This week, we watched Trimmers. The 19... What year was it? I'm sorry. This thing is... Uh, 90, wasn't it? I yeah, think. I think it was 90. It just it went to reload and... It, I got new internet. And it's amazingly fast everywhere, but in the in my recording area. Yes, 1990 <laughs> Trimmers, the 2002 British action horror film Dog Soldiers, and the 2004 comedy slasher from Broken Lizard Club Dread. Hey, Kevin? Yes. Do you want to pick a movie and tell us about it? Sure. Let's start with Club Dread. I can get that one out of the way. Although, as soon as I've said that, I realized I was going to try and leave that with you because I can never pronounce the director, writer, star's name. J. Chandrasekhar? Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. Right, okay. I mean, awesome. it's, there's no pronunciation guide that I could find, and it's better than I would have gotten. And I'm looking at his middle name, and like I feel bad knowing I can't pronounce this. I, I try uh, very hard to be enlightened and groovy towards all, but I am terrible with names, and I apologize in advance. So does Kevin. I've heard them discuss uh, films on commentary tracks before. I just can't remember how the proper pronunciation goes. So, yeah, that's that's bad on me. Anyway, Tyler picked this. It's a slasher comedy movie set in a beach resort. Coconut Pete's Coconut Beach Resort and Coconut Pete is played by Bill Paxton who had uh, written a number of wonderful tunes in his time and now tends to get drunk on the island, entertain partying guests and just enjoy life doing as little as possible. So the staff are all present and correct and the guests are there and people start dying. And when people start dying, the staff are told that they have to go about their job as normal, yet they're trying to figure out who the killer is. So yes, this is Broken Lizard, who uh, I've enjoyed pretty much all of their stuff uh, to varying degrees. My favourite is still probably Super Troopers, but I also really like Slam and Salmon, and uh, I really like Beer Fest, Hell, I'm sure Tyler will agree with me. I even like the Dukes of Hazard movie. You'll just be ready to throttle me already. <laughs> but this is this is a film that I've enjoyed uh, many times before. We always discuss the fact that when it comes to comedies like this, if it's one that 
someone really likes, it's easy to fall into that trap of just sort of quoting lines. So I'll try not to do that. But I will say, I just don't understand why more people don't just relate the tale of Machete Phil as one of the silly great laughs of all time. I just love it. Uh, that's random. That's for people who've seen the film. Uh, I just love it. Bill Paxton's a lot of fun here. A, a lot of fun. He's, um, I wouldn't say he's used sparingly, but I like the fact that his character is a kind of, uh, almost like a totem for everyone and everything around him, but he's not sort of dragged through every scene because they've got him for the time they want him. Paxton seems to be having a lot of fun. He does well with his character. It's great. Um, Chandra Sikhar also plays Putman in the film, who also has the amazing line, you've manacled me to my deathbed, you piccadilly whore, uh, which is, it's all in the delivery, but trust me, it's hilarious. No. What? You lie. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I like the fact that there's there's people like, so Kevin Heffernan plays Lars, he's quite a mellow kind of, uh, he's a masseuse, basically, he's a staff member, but it's very different from the character he played in Super Troopers, and I think they, they did try to sort of change things about here and just let people play around with different personas. Uh, Steve Lemmy, who also co-wrote with Heffernan and Chandra Sikhar, is, is a lot of fun as Juan. Uh, Paul Sorter is Dave and Eric Stolansky is Sam. I think those are the core members of the troupe. Uh, I don't think I'm missing anyone out there. They're all a lot of fun. Brittany Daniel is uh, always welcome on screen in any film. So that's a bonus point there. Jordan Ladd is here as Penelope or Penelope. Uh, and yeah, she's generally welcome all the time as well. So that's extra fun. I think this starts off uh, pretty well with a decent sort of slasher movie style opening. I think it's paced pretty well. The Pac-Man maze is a highlight that a lot of people mention. There are some decent deaths or decent sort of set pieces that mix the comedy and the, well, the the apparent tension from a killer on the loose. And it has a ridiculous motive by the end at the, an over-the-top finale. Like, I like this more this time than I did last time I watched it, and I've always liked it. I think it hits all of the expected beats for a slasher movie, but it keeps the comedy intertwined with everything and I really like it even something as silly as someone saying you know I, I remember it like it was yesterday and the flashback takes you back to the day before and you see how things start from such a stupid little insignificant event to turn you know someone into a killer I, I just I smile and uh, laugh all the way through this. 
but I do think they know what they're doing with the form as well, which is quite easy, you know, to to use as a template for slasher movies. But it would also be quite easy to do it a complete disservice. And I think they actually have everything in place to to make sure they've got enough comedy always on the go and have the the sort of skeleton of the slasher movie supporting everything there. It's never scary, but they have the kills, they have the stock and slash moments, and they have, as I say, the they sort of tick things off the list that you would expect from any slasher movie. I really like it. I have a lot of fun with it. It's a solid eight. It went up from a Kevin Seven this time to an eight, Dave. Jesus, just to, you are a sick man. Just to counterbalance your rage. Yeah, it's yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's that's fine. May I then? Yes. Okay. Uh, just to get out of the way, I like Super Troopers. I think Super Troopers has has very uh, likable performances that make the pretty lazy gags and and some really good funny bits. But most of the jokes are old and worn out, and that's the problem with all of Broken Lizard stuff, and that's the real problem here. It does nothing interesting or funny. Everything you've seen done elsewhere, and better. The characters in this aren't... Like, the performances aren't strong enough. Uh, <laughs> Kevin mentioned uh, J.H. I'm so sorry. The, the director, Jay Chander Raskahar's performance, and his performance is terrible. It's a bad accent with a shitty wig, and that's it. He doesn't bring any personality to the character. There's no life or spark there. It, the only one that actually tries is um, Steve Lemmy as Juan, the Nicaraguan sex addict staff member. I mean... Again, his is mostly just a bad accent, but at least he's trying to give a little life to his performance. Everyone else is sleepwalking through it, and they're sleepwalking delivering the laziest jokes possible. Every moment is the most obvious gag they could go for. Every joke is the most obvious joke they could make. It's half-assed to hell. It's not a good movie. It's not a funny movie. It wastes uh, the supporting cast. Lindsay Price and Brittany Daniel... Are, are totally wasted. So is... Um, Jordan Ladd? No, MC Gainley. Oh, MC... Uh, yeah. Ladd is also totally, totally, totally wasted. Uh, Ladd can, can be humorous. Totally wasted. Uh, Sam Levine and Nate Faxon and even uh, Gary Sipes, as, as they're all... Like, if you're in my age range, you have seen these guys in a bajillion things as secondary characters. Uh, they're not the best actors, but they can be funny, and they're not in this. They're just unfunny douchebags, written as unfunny douchebags, played without charisma or charm or anything that would make these lines work. It is poorly directed comedy, and that is inexcusable in a comedy from folks who should know better. Uh, <laughs> it's It's not good. It's just, it's half-assed all the way around. Um, Bill Paxton tries. B Bill Paxton tries very, very hard. And he has some charm in his, I swear to God, I'm not, you know, I am a legally distinct character from Jimmy Buffett persona. 
he he tries. I would have watched a movie about him on tour in the seventies. That could have been actually funny. <laughs> Uh, instead, they just went. They just went with a lazy horror comedy. Uh, horror, horror comedy needs to be funny. It needs to have a point. It needs to have something to punch at. And there's nothing. There's nothing here. This is just the most paint by numbers obvious film they could have written. And it's it's a shame. I think they are more talented than this. Um, like I said, I like Super Troopers. I think Puddle Cruiser has moments, but I think everything after this has been downhill from them. It's all just now. Granted, I haven't seen uh, Super Troopers two yet, and I know some folks loved it. I'll check it out eventually. But for me, this is this is like the their downhill slope starts here. It's just it's lazy and half-assed from here on out. So is Beer Fest. I mean, I I get it. They were the only people making these kinds of films at the time. But man, you're you're better off just popping in a Cheech and Chong or Strange Brew, or any of the other lovable loser drunk stoner comedies, because, yeah, these are just, it's just a miss for me. And again, humor is highly subjective, so, like, if you love it, that's that's awesome. But for me, it just, it doesn't work at all. Uh, Club Dread was my pick, and I really wanted to be there to talk about it, because Club Dread is one of my personal favorite horror comedies ever. I think it works great as a slasher film and a slasher parody. Uh, the cast is great. I love the Broken Lizard crew. Brittany Daniels is a good lead. Um, the killers are a lot of fun. I, that entire Pac-Man scene is amazing. Uh, Bill Paxton is incredible as Coconut Pete. I think the humor is genuinely funny as shit. It's right up my alley in terms of humor. Uh I just think it's great, and I never see it mentioned on any list of horror comedies, which is a shame because it's massively underrated and genuinely funny as fuck. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of this one. I will say, Dave, that I don't think Super Troopers 2 will win you back round. No, I don't think it will either. Now, is Brian Cox in it? Because he, he was excellent in the first one. He carried that shit. I can't remember if he's in it. He might be in it. In a small role, but um, it's it's been a while since uh, I watched it, and I've been due to rewatch it because I didn't sort of uh, fully focus on it at the time. All right, Dog Soldiers, two thousand two, British action horror, written, directed, and edited by Neil Marshall. It's his directorial debut, starring Sean Pertwee, Kevin McKidd, and Liam Cunningham. A squad of six British soldiers are dropped into a remote Scottish Highlands to carry out a training exercise against a special air service unit. Okay, why are these guys training against special forces? Like, like is setting up soldiers to fail in training exercises common? I, I'm, like, legit asking, because I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it is, but I, I don't know why you'd want to Kobayashi Maru your soldiers. That seems like it would totally deflate their... Value. Anyway. Uh, before long, they stumble on a badly wounded Captain Ryan, the only survivor of the special service unit. And before they know it, they're being chased by what could be werewolves into a lonely house in the middle of the Scottish Highlands to survive until dawn. Um, I'm... Some, I'm not a big fan of this movie. It has it has bits that I like, without a doubt. 
Uh, it has a solid, a mostly solid cast. Sean Pertwee is always great. I'm not so big on Kevin McKidd, even, even in, uh, Rome. He, he tends to be a little bland and carried by the others around him. He is in this case. Uh, Liam Cunningham is usually great, but in here he's just the warning guy who survives longer than, say, the Friday the 13th version would have. And the rest of the guys are just kind of faceless. So, you know, they don't really matter. They're just grist for the slaughter. Uh, one really likes football. So I guess, I guess there's that. I mean, that counts as a personality, right? It's, it's just, it's a little too long. It lacks suspense. It's a little too goofy. It's a little too doofy. Scotland is not a large place, guys. Uh, not many things are four hours from the next town. Actually, very little is. It's, what, what, what is it? Scotland's only 154 miles at its widest point. 230 miles long. I mean, you can get a lot of places in four hours in that amount of ground. So, you know, I mean, it's like it does a little bit too goofy things. Uh, the werewolves don't look bad. The first attack on the house is great. This is a movie of moments, but it's too long. It lacks suspense. It leans a bit too much into the goofy stuff. For my taste, werewolves are hard. Um, there's very few werewolf films I'd rate. This one doesn't quite work, but it, it has some moments. It has some okay action scenes. I just... I wish the characters were a bit more well-defined. I wish it felt a little bit less like, oh, look, they're normal guys just like us, so we've got to care despite, you know, them not giving them real personalities, which is a problem with a lot of films about soldiers. There, there's... uh, The kills aren't great. The action scenes are occasionally a little too gun fetishy. It's just, you know, it like, it's for a debut, it's okay, but it it's got some much better bones than the meat on it would let you think. It's it's a mediocre werewolf film. It's okay, but it, it doesn't really land. All the endless reveals in the last act are really boring and obvious. It overstays its welcome by a good 20 minutes. It, it just It just drags a little too long to really, to really work. I do like, there's some really nice black and white werewolf POV shots. I, I like, I wish uh, they had used them a little better instead of just for some establishing shots. Uh, I, I wish the soldiers were a little bit smarter. And I wish it, it, you know, understood wolf behavior just a little if you're going to have a character who's supposed to be a zoologist spewing off facts about how wolves operate. But, you know, I mean, those those are those are quibbles. You can do worse with werewolf films. You can do a lot worse with werewolf films, but you can do better too. It's just, you know, it's just kind of there. Uh, I'm sure Kevin gives it a seven, but it, it's really about a five. Oh, dear Dave. I don't give this a seven. This gives a nine. Then you're on crack. Nine. <laughs> I, I really like this, like, Obviously, a lot. I think it's fun. I think it's uh, enjoyably gory at times, and I think I think it's funny 
I think, again, this is a good mix of horror and comedy, but the emphasis is more on, you know, the horror of the werewolves this time around and the siege scenario. I think it's, I, I just think it's great. Uh, I think that these are, the cast here, although individuals can sort of, you know, be better or worse than some others, I think as a group, like the main squad feels very much like a squad. They have their camaraderie, they, they feel, they feel very believable and it makes it easier to accept when you have scenes where you have to get a bit more exposition or you're getting the fights happening and the odd sort of one-liner being trotted out here and there. And Sean Pertwee, who you like, is, um, you know, pretty much a scene stealer in this. He's bloody brilliant with some of the stuff he gets to come out with, whether it's just sausages or uh, drunkenly asking to get punched in the face. He's he's really good. I think uh, Emma Cleesby as the sort of expert in the area, the woman who finds a Megan, she kind of has the the thankless task because, as you say, Liam Cunningham is basically the your doomed guy, but with more information. But I think he like he has fun being uh, just a brooding presence there and acting like he's resenting them when really he can also potentially use the situation to his advantage and still act like he's in control because the opening has uh, Cunningham's character, you know, giving McKid a trial for a different squad that he ends up uh, failing at the end. Oh, I hate that scene. I hate everything about that scene. I don't think it it's not executed as well as it could be, but I think, you know, if there was more ambiguity in it until a certain reveal, I think it would have worked better. It's obvious that Kenny wanted, wanted to start with you thinking it was another move because you get the campers first, am I right? Yes, yeah, it starts with the campers, yeah. then yeah. the training. It starts with the campers, then you get the training. And I think you're meant to think it's going, you know, from one situation that the campers encounter to another like that but obviously it becomes obvious quite early on it's kind of a, a training thing so what i did notice about dog soldiers this time and i do i love it and i can't like i can't not love it it's um it's not just what's on screen it's the way that uh neil marshall has made the most of uh, his resources, the cast, and just the area around them, and the you know what they had for the werewolf suits, just everything, and being kind of a you know being someone who didn't let a low budget or you know just making a British horror film restrict them to something that that we wouldn't be talking about now, uh, you know, about 20 years after it was out. I I just can't remove that love from it, so I do love it. But 
watching it this time as well, a lot of the things I like about it, I know that if I didn't feel the film worked, I can see every other aspect being kind of turned upside down for people. Like one of the things I think works is the shorthand for the characters. That, uh, you know, they're a squadron and you have one that's obsessed with the football match and you have, uh, you know, one guy is going about Zulu and works drift and wanting a fight and you've, you've just got a shorthand. And I think that works well because I like them all and I like how the film plays out. But if you don't get drawn into the film, then you could easily just watch this and be like, well, that's just really lazy writing. I don't care about anyone. And there's nothing more to their personalities other than, you know, one defining feature. I get that. I I also get that, you know, there is a... There is a clumsiness with the way some of the action is shown. And you mentioned the sort of fetishism of some of the gunfire. And I think that's uh, also partly dictated 20 by the, by the cutting around. of slow motion gunshots. <laughs> they could cut that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think using that as well to sort of work around, you know, other things that, or, you know, open shots that they can't show everything in. So I like that as well. And then I just like all of the little touches, whether it is the interactions mainly between Pertwee and McKid, whether it's the... I, I just think it's funny the amount of times they fixed up that broken window with Slatsy Wood that you know aren't going to last like two seconds anyway, but they just keep doing it. Um, the the banter between the soldiers and the the way the plan is played out, whether it's from the soldiers POV or the werewolves POV, I think it's great. And then it has some really really good horror elements. Even by the time you get to an end point where there's kind of teeth along a blade that I forgot was in the film and it always makes me wince. Um, that's, you know, that's not a big gore gag and it's nothing, you know, it's no major death scene either. It's just one of those things that you'll get in a horror movie, like teeth or fingernails or eyeballs sometimes. you just like, Ugh. It, for me, it just ticks a lot, a lot of the boxes. I, I don't know whether it's all of the boxes. Maybe it is all the boxes, but see, I know that I'm overlooking shortcomings that I did notice this time while trying to be a bit more critical, ready to watch it for the podcast. But I noticed them, and for me, I was just like, I, I still love it all, like all as a piece. I, I just feel that a zoologist should know that alpha beta thing that isn't real in the wild. That's all I ask. Just like a little knowledge. Maybe understand how knocking somebody out works for once. Oh, I mean, movies, Dave. Well, it is happen. movies, and that's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you're not going to give me characters to care about, which they don't, only Pertwee is one. All the others are 
the tedious shorthand, which is, is crap, honestly. Because we do that all the time in any movie about soldiers. We can't make them humans because that way people might not like them. And that's a little annoying to me. I mean, honestly, let's make them flawed people, but they, they never do. They're one little note that some everybody can latch on to and go, oh, I like these lads. But just because he likes football doesn't make him likable. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm just kind of done with movies about soldiers. Well, I think as well, maybe with with this particular film or a sort of British horror movie, and it's they just feel, even though it's the shorthand and they're done that way, they just feel a little bit more sort of believable and easier to keep company with as well. Compared to, for example, you know, if you get if you get a a squad barging in at some point in Zero Dark Thirty, you know there's got to be a couple of the Hollywood leading men in that bunch, and you got the chisel guys who are bumping in. You know, it's got more of the feel of of sort of normal soldiers there rather than right. I, I know Pertwee there, and my kids there, but but yeah, I was it's about to like say they're, se- they're separate from the group. The faceless uh, cannon fodder, yeah. Yeah. Which is my exact problem with them. They're faceless cannon fodder. Sometimes movies reflect those truths. (laughs) (laughs) But then treat them like that. Anyway, I I think you should talk about the perfect movie now. Well, I found the ass end. So we'll just dive right into Tremors. Uh, directed by Ron Underwood, who helped come up with the story with Brent Maddock and S.S. Wilson. Tremors is the tale of a small desert town named Perfection that finds itself besieged by underground creatures, as if people didn't know it already. Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward are really the stars, as Valentine and Earl. Uh, but then Michael Gross is a star with Reba McIntyre is Bert and Heather, the gun-toting couple. And, um, yeah, Tremors. It's hard to think of where to start on Tremors. And I have done a lot of Tremors homework this week. You'll be very pleased to know. First of all, I love Tremors. And, yes, like every film I've watched this week, I think... I probably like it a little bit more this time than before. And part of that is because I did a deep, deep dive, a couple of commentary tracks, a few of the featurettes, stuff that really helps you appreciate what they did with Tremors. I was surprised to even find out that Tremors was basically a bomb when it was released. That it did not do well. Did you remember that, Dave? Yeah, I mean, it meant everything to me in my 10-year-old heart, but yeah, yeah. I, was, I was like the only one that loved it then. I, re- I remember. Um, and I'm still bitter. I think the production budget is about $11 million. I think maybe worldwide it made about $60 million, and then it found its life on video. And they were, they were saying, basically, that the companies didn't really know how to market it. And I found its life on video. So I'm glad of that. 
I've got finished life on video and it's had a, a long and healthy life with all the sequels and everything that comes to it. But it's um you know, it's a creature feature. It's full of great practical effects. Uh and another thing I didn't realise was basically whenever someone's not in shot with a creature, it's a miniature. And then when they are in shot you get the full size props. If you can watch Tremors and you can remember that fact while watching it, or even if you can basically spot the joints, then you have much sharper eyes than I do. Because I've watched this, I've watched this about three times this week, twice with different commentaries. And I'm still looking at the bits that I'm being told are miniatures. And I'm like, I just can't see it. I, I, it's that well blended in uh, together. It's, it's brilliant. It's possibly the last film of this type without, um, CGI being used, I think. Uh, certainly close to it, because it would be 93 or 94 with Jurassic Park. Um, so they do, they do say that, and it was a big ask, but it does, it pays off. Like the effects are, are fantastic. Even the, there are matte paintings in there that you won't realise are there. The film starts with Kevin Bacon urinating off a cliff that isn't there. It's a matte painting. Uh, just blows my mind what they managed to do with this movie. The the cast are all great as well. So Bacon and Ward have a, a great rapport together. Uh, they're superb. Rhonda LeBeck plays Finn Carter, who's... Um, no, Finn Carter plays Rhonda LeBeck, sorry. I got her names the wrong way around. She is the local scientific person there doing a study and uh, finds the sort of the, she's got the size mic activity recorder is the technical name I'm going for. Seismograph. Seismograph. I knew you'd get it. Yay. Um, but she isn't any kind of expert in the creatures or what's going on. She just ends up in the area with that. Uh, she's she's very good. Uh, you know, Carter's just a really natural, uh, believable uh, female presence in the film. I say Michael Gross is great. He would actually go on basically to to head up the franchise. Uh, Reba McIntyre works well with them. You also get uh, small roles for like Charlotte Stewart, Ariana Richards. Uh, Victor Wong plays Walter Chang. And Victor Wong is uh, best known to people for, well, this. But then he was also in Big Trouble in Little China as Ed Shen. And was, was he also in... He was in The Golden Child as well, wasn't he? It might have been the same year as Big Trouble in Little China. Um, think, I'm trying to remember if they were the same year. I think so. Double whammy of Victor Wong. And then not long after, he's in Prince of Darkness as well. But he's oh, in he quite was, a few. He's the grandpa in Three Ninjas. That's what... I've never seen Three well, Ninjas. Well, you might not, but like the 12 people that listen will have seen Three Ninjas. I know it. You know it. Uh, leave a comment if you've seen Three Ninjas. 
every time you mention that, I'll just start thinking of Beverly Hills Ninja. No. With, uh, I mean that, Chris Farley? Yeah, that was Chris Farley. That might actually be a better... Like, the three Ninja <laughs> movies are not great. I mean, like, the first one has a special place in my heart. But, you know. But, yeah, he was in The Last Emperor. And, uh, yeah. He actually, uh, he, you know, he knew uh, Jack Kerouac. He's fictionalized. Right. There's a fictionalized version of him in Big Sur. Just, I mean, since we're talking about Wong, I just thought I'd throw that in there before I forgot. He's, uh, I mean, he's definitely one of those people that people will know, especially if they've enjoyed a number of movies through the 80s, <laughs> genre movies through the 80s, because he was in at least a couple of biggies there. What slightly annoys me, not about the film, is, um, you know, the the commentary is again chatting and there's some uh, featurettes and people talking, talking then, talking now. Kevin Bacon has quite a bit of affection for the film now. But once again, like I think at the time, he didn't. I, I think when he, when he either left it or maybe for the few years after it, he was wanting to stay distant again. And Tremors kind of feels like the start of a resurgence for him because then he started to he started to have a bloody good decade throughout the 90s whereas it was petering off before then because he says I think after Footloose the films he got hadn't done anything the ones that he'd got a main role in so Tremors comes along Right, in the same year he's done Flatliners. But uh, it's it's a year or two with little roles and stuff like JFK and A Few Good Men. And from there, it just goes on and on and gets better and better. So I'm hoping he sort of turned around on this quite quickly. Because I like Kevin Bacon. And I don't want to retain the impression of him always doing a good genre film and then trying to dismiss it from his career for like five or ten years until he has to acknowledge it again. Don't tell me that's his habit, Dave. It's just this I'm, I'm not even going to I, I don't I don't know. I I I don't know. Let's say yes. Fuck it. Kevin Bacon. Don't don't disavow. What was that movie he just made where he had like a wife played by a man as Sephrid because if for some reason movies think seventy year old men bag 30-year-olds all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, um... Oh, I can't remember. It was something to do with the house. Because I, I read the yeah, description. Yeah, something like that. And, and it seemed like it could be a bit like uh, House of Leaves, which is a book I own but still haven't uh, read yet. Oh, you should read it. It's a good book. Yeah, but I got an idea, and I was like, oh, Kevin Bacon's now married to Amanda Seyfried, is he? Actually, you're going to hate that book. All the footnotes, it's going to drive you crazy. Probably. I can't wait until you read it. Let me know. I'll just be rocking in this chair in the cinema room, muttering, have you read Sutter Kane? How's <laughs> <laughs> uh, is good. Read it. And as, as I say, Fred Ward is, is great as well, though. Uh, and this, I've I've always liked Fred Ward, mainly because I watched Remo a lot 
when I was a kid and found it on video. And there are people who don't like Remo. And then there are people who have a heart and soul. I think uh, Remo is wonderful and Fred Ward is wonderful in it. But yeah, Tremors, Tremors is great. It just gets everything right. It's got that classic pacing, which is kind of in line with creature features and often disaster movies. You get the, you get a sedate start. You get sort of one major moment. Then you get a couple of moments don't fair and it, it builds to uh, something that becomes quite constant and ongoing and our heroes are in peril. If you want a real treat, you should enjoy the movie and love it as it should be loved. But then you should see the sort of love and care that went into creating the effects and just getting the film done. It was kind of like the faith that that the makers of the film had in it seemed to be enough to to carry it through a bumpy road and you know eventually come out the other end as the as the victor. Well, I would uh, correct one little thing you said earlier. Uh, it made sixteen million domestically. I, I don't know how much it made globally, but that was a fifth of what Universal had projected for it. A fifth. Yeah, right. I so, I thought I saw domestic and global as the same amount somewhere when I was trying to look it up, but uh, maybe, maybe you don't have the global figure available. The the problem, yeah, the problem with stuff from the eighties, nineties, and stuff, the global you don't, they didn't really track because like yeah. publicly because it was in a billion different currencies. It's not like today where it's just going from you know like a dozen currencies. They don't count all the world when they say global. They mean Europe and Asia. <laughs> And some markets in Latin America. But, like, they don't mean the world when they say it. No, they just mean the bigger spots that make the most money. It's funny. Uh, I've seen Tremors, like, a hundred times, and I have very little to say about it, which is weird. But I love Tremors. The cast is great. Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward, Michael Gross, Ruba McIntyre, all fantastic. The Graboid effects hold up wonderfully. I mean, they look fantastic. They look better than most CGI made now, and they're 100% practical. So, yeah, the Graboids look fucking great. Um, I love the franchise as a whole, but none of them compare to the first one. Not a single one of them. It's a great horror comedy and uh, probably one of the most rewatchable of the 90s. So, yeah, if you don't like Tremors, you're just wrong, brah. I love Tremors. I, I already said that. I called it perfect, and... I think this might be the perfect yeah B movie. There's not a wasted moment of celluloid. Everything is for a purpose. Uh, either developing the characters who are actually lovable characters with personalities that are unique to themselves. Even the individual towns members. Granted, the the family uh, get a little short shrift compared to Bert and Co. Uh, but you know, I mean. Mindy's got her pogo sticking, at least. How much personality do you expect from a 10-year-old? I didn't have much at that time, and now I'm chock-fucking-full of it. <laughs> but uh, everything goes into informing a character, or informing their situation, or setting up the Graboids as a legitimate threat. 
it is just in terms of, of storytelling and the screenplay, it is, it is a masterclass. It's up there with Back to the Future for me, where ev- everything is momentum and it's, it's good momentum that's well used. There's, there's very little fat on this sucker. It's all juicy, tender meat that's been slow roasted to perfection in a prehistoric creature living in a mine. I love the Graboids. They are an amazing design. Uh, Burt Ward and Kevin Bacon are a great on-screen pair, and it's a shame this movie didn't make more, so we never got to see them really do other stuff together because they work really well together. Uh, Reba McIntyre and uh, Gross are fantastic. I I literally love Michael Gross, not because of uh, family ties, but because of Burt Gummer. I think one of the great tragedies of this past decade is they did not get Reba McIntyre back for the last fucking Tremors movie. They knew it was going to be the last one. They needed to fucking do that. What the fuck, Universal? (sighs) Anyway, it's a great movie. It's a lot of fun from beginning to end. And it's enjoyment for pretty much everybody of all ages. I I showed my niece. It's a little vulgar for most people's seven-year-old, but she adored it. And she lives with me, so you know she's used to vulgarity. She's cool with it. Might be too much for yours, but that's fine. That's okay. Cuss around them a bit more so they get it, you know, acclimated to it, and they cuss like sailors in front of random clergy downtown. It'll put a smile on your face and the child. And maybe Jesus, if he was real. I don't know. He was a carpenter. I'm sure he was a vulgar bastard. Anyway, it's it's a fun film. The effects are great. Characters are great. The ending is uh, just sheer joy. There's there's nothing bad I can say about this movie. It I mean you know I, I guess it could have a slightly more diverse cast, but for the time period, it's it's a great one. It's it sh- everybody should see it at least once a year, and in on the big screen especially. I got to project this one, and it oh. It's so good. I love it. Like, I thought it's I... Huh? Only because of your love of the film that I didn't immediately uh, try and delete your voice from calling Fred Ward Bart Ward. Oh, shit, did I? Oh, my God. You crazy <laughs> Batman lover. <laughs> he plays Bert. And I was just... I was. You know, I don't write things down. I, I write, like, a general outline, and then I, I go off my gut, and... I'm looking at his name and it's, it's Ward and, and, uh, I was thinking of Michael Gross's Burt Gummer and I yeah. got all kind of confused. Shit. At least that was an honest mistake. At least I didn't just totally pull it out of my ass. <laughs> Fred Ward, I, rest I in peace. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure you already know this, but Gross's uh, character with all the guns, like he, um, he would always end meet fans if they really liked his character but would remind them that he never pointed his gun at another human like I think he, Gross moved away from the NRA because he thought of you know they, they were going a bit far uh, and then the worry was that moving from the dad of family ties to his character might have been a bit of a push but he realised his character was always using the guns like for the creatures as a hunter which I thought was interesting. Huh. 
No, I, I didn't. I didn't know that. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think that's basically how he kept it sort of, you know, aligned with whatever values he might have wanted to take into the movie. And you know, if people were meeting him and getting carried away, that he uh, apparently he would also remind them that you know Bart has all the guns, but he never really you know just points them at people around them. They're for getting the creatures. Nice. I, but not just this one. I love, I love the whole series. Uh, I mean, honestly, since some of the later ones are, they're cheap. One of them, one of them is supposed to take place in Alaska, but they're obviously filming on a beach. They just, they just used a filter to make the snow or the sand white. And, and I love it. I, I, I love them. I mean, they, they are, they're cheap and they're, they're a little, they're bad B movies, but uh, Burt Gummer uh, is is great, and it's it's always great to revisit him. I'm I'm kind of sad that they ended the series. I mean, I, on, honestly, I, I really am. Uh, I hope I was you know. Man, all all those Star Wars series must have you raging that we can't have just one Tremor series. I kind I kind of am. I mean, well, there. Have you ever seen the old '90s series or early 2000s? It's actually pretty no, good. No, I, I don't know. It, it probably showed on the Sci-Fi Channel here somewhere. It, but... it did. It, it did. But it got um. See, Sci-Fi Channel canceled. Um. Oh crap! Farscape, which mm-hmm. deeply, deeply love series. I mean, Farscape's Farscape is great. Don't get me wrong, but they canceled Farscape and put Trimmers in its place. This was the early days of the internet. <laughs> Instead of being like, oh, well, it sucks they canceled Trimmers. I mean, they canceled Farscape. Maybe Trimmers will be good. They went, those motherfuckers canceled Farscape for Trimmers. Let's never watch Trimmers. So everybody that would have wanted to watch that show boycotted it. <laughs> so it failed. I think they only aired like six episodes. But it's, it's, it's a, it's a fun little, uh, X-Files-esque series set in perfection, and it, it's a shame it didn't last. It's a shame the Kevin Bacon series didn't get picked up. I, I would love to see that pilot. I still haven't. I, I don't know if it leaked or not. I, I assume it did. I just haven't looked for it. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, everything kind of leaks eventually. I'm expecting that we all see, um, what was it, Batgirl? At some oh, point. Oh, well, yeah, it's, at some point somebody's going to leak Batgirl. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. Just, just the, the thing is there's probably, they cancel, they, they just scrubbed another show. They keep scrubbing shows and at some point there's going to be so much resentment that I just can't see it as being, like, I, I understand they had to, you know, save money, earn back some, but I, I can't see how burning every bridge is a good thing. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, Discovery Channel is never going to be worth the same amount that Warner Brothers is. So expecting Discovery Channel crap to float you is not a smart fucking move. Like, 90 Day Fiance has a very limited audience, which is already watching it. It's not going to expand. You have you've tapped that market. <laughs> That's not going to save your ass if you shelve every DC property 
that, you know, tons of folks have put their blood, sweat and tears into and try to lock it away in a vault forever. Yeah, but I digress. But that's Warner Brothers, not Universal. I just hope Universal does something good with Trimmers soon. Because, I, I mean, you know, Universal's got all the classic monsters and they just can't seem to get their shit together with them. The the fact that they were able to pull out the Invisible Man is kind of a miracle after all the trying. Dracu- what was it? Dracula Unbound? Sucked. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Every, everything they released about the other reboot sounded atrocious. Like, I, I really don't know what the fuck they were thinking. The Mummy was terrible. So, I, I mean, I, I don't get why they are having such a hard time. These should all be slam dunk no-brainers and trimmers in whatever form they decide to bring it back in should be a slam dunk no-brainer, but I don't know. Who knows? Is that you done? Yeah, sorry. I, 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 I was. Do you want us to I, pick I, one? Yeah, it's time to pick one. I, I kind of, I, I went off into my own little dream of Trimmers franchises. Uh huh. Just, I'm sorry. I, I want more Burt Gummer, because Michael Gross will only be around so much longer. Damn it. Yeah, guess what one you're picking? Yo, you, you're welcome to guess. Is it Tremors? It is, as a matter of fact. Did I not say it was perfect? Because it's perfect. Uh, I've got to go for that Tremors and all. Oh, you're a beautiful man, Kevin. You know that? Having heart palpitations here. I'm just uh, annoyed that I couldn't, you know, find another 24 hours this week to then try and blast through. I've got a book on the film as well, Seeking Perfection, that's... um, it's supposed to be a really good read. Oh, I have I that. Ho- I haven't I've read it yet. It for a while. Yeah, it's it's highly recommended by everyone who's read it. So uh, it's it's a shame. Yeah, I got but I got so- I got that in a stack of other books like that. At the same mm-hmm. time, and I was like, I'll save this for last because it's my favorite movie out of them all. And like halfway through, uh, was it Future Noir about Blade Runner? I went, Yeah, I don't fucking care about movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked away. Wow. <laughs> hey, don't get me wrong. Future New Hard is a good book. It's just, I, I, I got a stack, like 10 books all about behind the scenes. And after like five and a half, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of done. And I just, I haven't gone back to it. Actually, yeah. I mean, I've got more now than I ever intended to. I got the Highlander one, the Shaun of the Dead one. Uh, did I pre-order something, Andy? And, and sometimes I'm, I'm the first one to say to people, not every film needs a whole book written on it <laughs> or a whole essay. And then these books come out, I'm like, oh, that looks great. I'm getting that. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I do the exact same thing. And then I just don't, I don't read it. I have, I have so many now. And it's like, I, someday I, I will get to them. Well, COVID, man. Oh my God. COVID books about movies and, and horror books. And worst of all, fucking Star Trek books. Because the local used bookstore had a big sale on sci-fi. I bought like 32 Star Trek paperbacks during COVID. I've read 15 of them. 
and I love them. But I look at the stack and I go, no, what the fuck was I thinking? I could have used that money for like a bill. Anyway, next week, October continues. Guess what I have? Uh, it's, it's you're not going for tremors too, right? No, but I have Tyler's pick. <laughs> All right, Tyler's pick is all cheerleaders must die. My pick. I am going for a sequel, and I'm 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 so apologizing in advance. I'm going for a movie that premieres this week on Disney Plus. You want to guess? Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Hocus Pocus 2. (laughs) Why? Because I'm going to be forced to watch it. Oh, right. Great. (laughs) As as old Chili does that, is that the the Lucky McKee film? Yes. Yes, it is. I'll be be at one entirely. Well, I am going for a film that Another one I've had on my shelf for ages. I heard other people mention it as something quite good, but it's an unknown quantity to me. Just bear that in mind. It's 1988's horror western, I think, called Ghost Town. Oh, I've seen that. It's It's been a minute. Oh, no, I should do this too, but I'm going to. No, I'm not. I, I was going to just drop a fourth one in, but we'll save that for when Craig comes back someday. Just so you know, I'm looking off into the distance, saying okay. someday wistfully. <sighs> someday. You can email us at raidersofthepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at raidersofthepod. We are on Instagram, raiders underscore of underscore the underscore podcast. Uh, Like, rate, subscribe. Find us on every podcast provider of your choice. Give us love on Facebook and social media everywhere. Check out the YouTube channel where I try and put a video up every week and uh, send packages of worms to Dave, if you like, and say these are for you to make your mini Tremors cityscapes. I would. Uh, Oh, I I definitely would. (laughs) Yeah. As always. uh, Again, we just, you know, we we hope to be joined by Tyler at some point. Yeah. if if he can, he said he'd send me some audio files. So you'll hear us mentioning the audio files, but you'll be like, what are they talking about? Tyler was there. He was edited in so seamlessly. Oh, nice. Yeah. But he, he wasn't. That's Hollywood magic. <sighs> A jazz hand. Just if, if you were wondering, I did jazz hand right there. Jazz hand. Cool. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, Kevin. I'll talk to you next week. See ya. I am really sorry about Hocus Pocus too, by the way. You son of I like that's that's basically I kinda want to slap you like Fredo <laughs> and the Godfather too. When you walk through the garden, you better watch your back. 
Yeah. 